So the bulletin on a church, um, of a church announced these announcements. Firstly, the Low Self-Esteem Support Group will meet Thursday from 7 till 8.30 p.m. Please use the back door. Another church bulletin carried out this announcement. Due to the pastor's illness, Wednesday's healing services will be discontinued until further notice. During a service, one preacher made this announcement. This being Easter Sunday, we will now ask Mr. Johnston to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. (laughs) And another church newsletter had this. At the evening service tonight, the topic will be, what is hell? Come early and hear our church choir. (laughs) And not to pick on the choir, but one announcement in one church read, eight new choir robes are currently needed due to the addition of several new members and to the deterioration of some older ones. It's easy to misinterpret or lose the message of these bulletin announcements, isn't it? We've all read announcements like them, haven't we? And sometimes in the passion story, we can lose the message in the method, and we can make mistakes in our interpretation of the events of Easter. One is that we linger too long at the cross. You know, I've never really been one for watching the films depicting Jesus' crucifixion. We had the robe on, on, well, Adrian had the robe on on Friday. No, he didn't have the robe on. (laughs) He was watching the robe on the telly, and I was not watching the robe with him. And I think I'm just a bit of a wuss when it comes to this. And I know some people might say to me, well, if you can't even watch a film when you consider all that Jesus has done for you, that's pretty poor. But I know what Jesus suffered on the cross was horrific. But I don't believe that he wants me to be wearing sackcloths and in continual mourning about it. I believe he wants us to have a healthy balance of knowing the depth of the sacrifice so that we can live full and eternal lives. If we linger at the cross, we don't experience the second bit, you see. We can focus so much on the painful brutality of the cross that we miss the understanding of the crucified. We're in danger of then setting up a system of legalistic rules to make sure that we truly understand the cost of our sin, placing on on people the unyielding burden of the law, always in fear that the cross might be still ours someday if we deviate in the slightest measure from the standards that are set. That's not what it was all about. Others linger too long at the empty grave, empty tomb, gazing in wonder at the empty grave clothes that mark the living Christ. We can get so lost in the euphoria of the empty tomb and the, risen, and the risen Christ that we can still miss the message. There is a great euphoria that surrounds the empty tomb. We find there a risen Lord who through his death and resurrection has given us new life. That is truly something to get excited about, yes. But the danger here, though, at the tomb is never moving on. We experience an empty tomb in our lives the day that Jesus saved us. Our forgiveness, our redemption, our new life, our eternity, all caught up in the risen Lord. The problem is for some, that's where it stops. After his resurrection, Jesus went about the countryside, appearing to people and continuing his message. Here in our Bible reading this morning, this is where, when he met with all his disciples together. And it was during this time that Jesus taught one of our most valuable lessons. The lesson transformed a disciple from scared rabbits, knowing what, not what was going to happen to them, what was going to go before them, into lions, roaring lions, who changed the world. The lesson was how to live with him in resurrection power. 
This lesson is found in our Bible reading this morning. And in those four verses, Jesus tells them and us how to live with him in resurrection power. Firstly, living with him in resurrection power begins with obedience. Verse 16 tells us that the 11 disciples went to the Mount of Olives as Jesus had instructed them to. Notice that Jesus was not with them, and yet they still obey. You know that saying, if I've told you once, I've told you a hundred times, or a million times, depending on how frustrated you are. Well, that's heard quite regularly in our house. Um, And I tell the girls to do something, but I have to keep reminding them and stay with them to chivvy them along um, until the, the job is completed. And actually, you know, there are some of us adults that are like that too. I can be as well. One of the signs of a maturity we often think is when you give your child a job and they are at that stage where you know they'll do it. They'll get it done, no questions. Then you trust them to be able to do it. And living in resurrection power comes not from knowing what God wants for your, you in life. It's in doing what he wants for, you to do, wants you, wants for you in life. The children, when they obey, they know what they've got to do, but it's in doing. And for us as Christians... This living in resurrection power, it comes from, from doing what he wants for you in life. How often do we find ourselves not listening to God's commands, not taking on board what he tells us in his word? We know what we should do. We know what's supposed to do. We know what God has commanded us to do. But we simply don't do it. And then further on in the verses, he instructs them to teach people to obey his commands. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the words and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. We'll never know what it is to live in resurrection power until we decide to live in obedience to the call of Christ. Secondly, living with Jesus in resurrection power centers in worship. Verse 17 says, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. These men had followed Jesus for three years. They had eaten with him, they had rested with him, and ultimately denied him. Now they fall on their knees and worship him. Don't take this lightly. This is an acknowledgement on their part that Jesus is God. Worship is for no one else but God. God wants us to make that final decision in our lives. Is he God? Or isn't he? If he's not, then let's be done with all the pretense. If he is... And let's worship him with every bit of our lives, just as the disciples did. The citizens of Feldkirch, Australia, or sorry, Austria, didn't know what to do. Napoleon's massive army was preparing to attack. Soldiers had been spotted on the heights above the little town, which was situated on the Austrian border. A council of citizens was hastily summoned to decide whether they should try to defend themselves or display the white flag of surrender. It happened to be Easter Sunday, and the people had gathered in the local church. The pastor rose and said, friends, we have been counting on our own strength, and apparently that has failed. As this is the day of our Lord's resurrection, let's just ring the bells, have our services as usual, and leave the matter in his hands. We know our only weakness, we know only our weakness, and not the power of God to defend us. So the council accepted his plan, and the church bells rang. The enemy, hearing the sudden peal, concluded that the Austrian army had arrived during the night to defend their town, and before the service ended, the enemy broke camp and left. The people of Feldkirch worshipped God 
made him Lord of their lives and witnessed his power. Our powerful living centers in our worship of God as God. Not slaving for the false gods of our day, gods of materialism, popularity or power, whatever your God is. Real power, resurrection power, power for life and living centers in worship. If we want to live with him in that resurrection power, we have to give him our worship. Not begrudgingly, not through duty, not as a last resort but because he is Lord of our lives and because of all that he's done for us. Thirdly, living with Jesus in resurrection power finds its foundations in submission. It follows on from obeying him, obedience and worship. In verse 18, Jesus says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. If he has the authority, we have only a cho- we have only have a choice, submit or rebel. Those are the choices. One of those choices leads to power for living with him. The other leads, of course, we know this, to disappointment and death. That's what we believe. Which one in your heart of hearts are you choosing today? To submit or to rebel? You know, it is possible to obey without submitting. Obedience is an outward action, while submission is an inward attitude. A mother ordered her disobedient son to sit in a corner. After a couple of minutes of sitting, he told his mother, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. He obeyed, but he didn't submit. It's difficult to really, really obey without properly submitting. The two are linked. God calls us not just to obey, but also to submit. What are you choosing today? Mark's gospel tells the story of a rich young man who came to Jesus. What shall I do to inherit eternal life, he asked. I've kept the commandments of Moses. What shall I do? Jesus told him to sell his possessions and give to the poor. His face fell despondent. That is the one thing he could not do. He wanted redemption, he wanted the good stuff, but was unwilling to submit to the Lordship of Christ. Are you still holding on to something? Is there a part of your life that is still under your control? If we want to live with him in resurrection power, we need to submit our lives to him completely. Fourthly, living with him in resurrection power finds purpose in disciple-making. In verse 19, Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. A gamekeeper heard about a man who was suspected of illegal fishing, so he went undercover and got the man who was under suspicion to take him out, fishing with him and his boat. The gamekeeper noticed that the man took only a net, a sack, and a tackle box, so no fishing poles. When they got out into the middle of the lake, the man opened the tackle box, took out a stick of dynamite, lit the fuse, and threw it in the water. There was an explosion, a splash, and dozens of stunned fish floated to the surface, and the man scooped them up with his net and put them in the sack. I'm sorry if that upsets anybody. The gamekeeper showed his badge at the man and said, I'm I'm the gamekeeper, and I'm going to report you. The man calmly pulled out another stick of dynamite, lit it, handed it to the gamekeeper and said, are you going to talk or are you going to fish? Now that's the question for all of us as Christians though, isn't it? It's like we're holding this stick of dynamite. 
And time is running out. And we need to ask ourselves, are we going to just talk about it? Or are we going to be, get busy and be fishers of people as Jesus invited us to be? And I know in this world today it isn't easy to do. We all live busy lives and we know the, the pressures of society around us when we do this. But this is what living with him in resurrection power is all about. So in the conversations that you have with people this morning, just now, today even, because we're all on this road of discipleship, and those people who on your front line who are yet to have this relationship with Jesus, think about those relationships. Think about those conversations. Can you be more intentional about it? Jesus went through all of this so that you could live with him in eternity. And not only you, but all of humankind. You have been empowered for a purpose. Disciple making. No longer just letting other disciples feed you. You are called to take responsibility to be a part of God's kingdom building. And then finally, living with him in resurrection power finds source in fellowship with Christ. And in verse 20, Jesus reminded his disciples of that amazing promise. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. A reminder that through the tough times, all the trials, all the temptations, all the hard work, all the disciple making, that he was going to be with them. Living with him in resurrection power does not find its source in religious observation. Christianity finds its greatest pinnacle in fellowship, in relationship with the living God. I am with you always. What a marvelous promise. But what about you? How does the living Lord figure in your life and make his presence known to you? Jesus said, abide in me and I will abide in you. In other words, live in me and I will live in you and with you. How appropriate is that for Resurrection Sunday? It's the resurrection side of the cross that makes all the difference in how we live. So how do we live? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to raise us up and enable us to live. It is that power which imparts the life of Christ, into, of Christ to us. When Christ arose on that third day, we arose together with him in order that we might walk in a newness of life. As a result of the resurrection, we can now live in his sight, in his presence. That means we've been granted perpetual face time with the Lord in his presence. We are able to live in his presence by, the very light, by his very life within us. What an honor, what a privilege, and an awesome responsibility that is. I pray that today we will, will, be, will be the start of a new and better life where each of us will know the living presence of God in a very real way because of our obedience, because of our worship, because of our submission, because of our disciple-making. And that we may live with him in resurrection power. So be it. So be it. And so as we reflect for a few moments on this, the greatest day, I want us to sing a beautiful song which prays that every day will be the greatest day as we live with him in resurrection power. And I want to read the words of this song to you before we sing them so that you can take them in and really sing them as your prayer. The words say this. Lord, I pray that I may know thee, risen one enthroned on high. Empty hands, I'm stretching to thee, 
Show thyself to me, I cry. Show thyself to me that I may reveal thy beauty. Show thyself to me. All that once I thought most worthy, all of which I once did boast, in the light seems poor and passing. Tis thyself I covet most. Give thyself to me that I may show forth the power. Give thyself to me. And this third verse, this is living with him in resurrection glory. Only as I truly know thee can I make thee truly known. Only bring the power to others, which in my own life is shown. Show thy power to me, that I may be used for others. Show thy power to me. And so as we sing this song, respond as you feel is right. And as the Lord is speaking to you in order to know that resurrection power in your life, this is the greatest day. A day of new life and a day of new, a new way of living. Make it so, my friends. Make it so. Let's sing this song. <clears throat>
pray together. We praise you, living God, with songs and prayers and listening hearts and lives trying to obey your will. You have created and are creating, bringing life and hope and love. You come in Jesus, your word made flesh to reconcile and to make new in a culture where the power of death gets all of the headlines, your Holy Spirit summons us to be people shaped by your power to work resurrection. We are not always sure we believe as we fully should. We are not always sure that we trust as deeply as we think you require. But we bring who we are and what we have become into your presence, longing to know your grace and your love. Forgive what has gone wrong, repair in us what is broken, reveal in us what is good and turn us towards it. So may we follow wherever your spirit may lead. So may we love with the love of Jesus flowing through us. So may we, body, mind and spirit, be children of resurrection, children of hope, children of grace. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.